And you heal at the same time and make us to be more like your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us now as we open your word to hear what the Spirit says to his church. Amen. So this morning we continue in our studies in the book of Proverbs. It's been an interesting ride. It's come up with all kinds of topics. And so this morning we're on the sluggard. And I know one specific person who said he can't wait. He's an accountant. So I'm sure that all adds up. But let's hear what God says to us through his word today. And you might think this morning, I can't wait to hear this because, man, those people really need to hear. I was very uncomfortable this week because I discovered bits of this in me. And so we really need to hear God's word and allow it to speak to each one of us. Not one of us is perfect yet. We've all got a little bit of sluggard in us. So let's hear what God has to do. So let's just read Proverbs 6, verse 6 to 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, oh, sorry, without having any chief, officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Now, 26, verse 13 to 16. Proverbs 26, verse 13 to 16. The sluggard says, There's a line in the road. There's a line in the streets. As the door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. Don't you love the picture? The sluggard buries his head in his dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. I love the human scripture. Can you just see the picture? The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. And then turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. It's the Lord speaking to Adam after Adam had sinned and everything changed in creation. Where his work had been a pleasure before, it now would become a grind. This is what the Lord says to Adam as a result of the fall. And to Adam the Lord said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Here's a little factoid for you about ants. Just file it away somewhere. Do ants ever sleep? Anyone seen an ant sleeping? Actually, I have. Research has told us that uh, ants have a sleeping pattern and uh, it's a, cy- cycl- a cyclical pattern of a, 
resting for 8 minutes every 12 hours. So think about that. Now multiply that out for the time you sleep. Ants a lot smaller. It needs less sleep, I guess. But um, I was working in my shed one day and I suddenly found I had an ant nest, as you do in winter. And I noticed they were all real quiet. They were just sitting there. So I thought, must be a committee meeting or union meeting or something. But no, they were actually sleeping. And then they were going again. So, yep, eight minutes every 12 hours. Anyway, today we hear a lot about overwork and overstress. It's actually a multi-million dollar industry trying to help corporates with their overworked and overstressed workers. And so to overcome your stress, you need to attend a workshop, right? And that already drives up my stress level uh, when I was in corporate. And um, you need to go through all these de-stressing sessions and it costs the company millions. Well, we hear a lot about overwork and overstress, but when was the last time you heard something about the other side of that? Laziness. Because corporates have the same problem with laziness. Is laziness perhaps similar to wasting our time today? When we get distracted by useless things, and since we live in an age of terminal distraction, is it fair to say that we've got 24-7 opportunity for frittering away our time on our phones? The only reason I know this is because I did some research writing six articles this past week, which should be in the paper this week, under thought for today. But I found these apps which do useless things. First little app's called um, the Nothing app. Seriously. And when you press the Nothing app, you get something. You get the word nothing. That's it. That's what it does. Useless things to entertain idle minds, right? Oh, there's another one called the Eye Shaver. This is really helpful, men. And ladies. Oh, no. Men. So the eye shaver is an app you've got on your phone and you switch it on and you can select the shaver that you like and then you put it up to your face and you press the button and it actually buzzes. And when you look at it, there's hair. Virtual hairs. Fantastic. And then if you want to upgrade, you pay a little bit, of course, and you get a different model and you do it again. all over. And there's more little hairs. Virtual ones. And then one that's really helpful, if you're wanting to upgrade your phone, this is the one you want. It's called the SMTH app. Send Me to Heaven app. And um, it's a good little app. You take your phone, you switch it on, and then you throw it up in the air and you catch it. And you can actually measure the height that you've thrown it. And if you really want good competition, you get friends together and you turn on the SMTH app and it syncs you all. And then you all throw up your thro- phones and see who can throw the highest, right? And I think that goes well until someone drops their new iPhone. (laughs) So, again, useless things to entertain idle minds. And then I found a really helpful game. If you're really bored, you can find this game on the net. It's called, on your phone actually, they've got the phone version too. It's called Let's Wake Up the Sluggard. And it's a game where you start and you can throw apples into the sluggard's wide open mouth. And the one with the highest score wins. All right. 
So all these helpful things we can find in our technologically lazy age. So what counts as a waste of time? Trawling forever on Facebook, sometimes mindlessly just on the internet, just seeing what there is. We waste away our time. We fritter away our time. And I think it's one of the biggest curses we have around with the technological age now. I'm not anti-cell phones. They're really useful. But they can waste our time. And so God addresses this topic of laziness today through the through the sluggard in the book of Proverbs. The sluggard is someone who is habitually lazy and inactive. It's a person who doesn't take personal responsibility for their own life. The word sluggard is used 14 times in the book of Proverbs, and in each case the Bible condemns laziness and warns of the consequences of being a sluggard. So let's look at some of this. Now, you need to know something about the ironic humor that the Bible uses. It's an, it's an Eastern mindset thing. Um, in the East, when you want to have a time of reflection on something that you could possibly do with your own life, they tell it through irony and through making a joke of it. And then it gives you a moment to reflect on that. And so, using um, ironic humor, we have this sluggard illustrated to us. So what are some of the characteristics of the sluggard? Firstly, he won't begin things. When one asks the sluggard in chapter 6 verse 9, how long will you lie there or when are you going to arise from your sleep? That's being a little too definite. That word, how long and when. The sluggard doesn't like those words. And all he says is, I don't know. This drowsiness is delicious. And I just ask, listen to the phrase, a little more time. But he doesn't ever commit to a firm refusal to do anything either. You never know where you stand with a sluggard. Is it a yes or is it a no? So pick up some of these characteristics with what I'm saying. The sluggard allows the opportunities just to slip away one by one. They come across his way, they're gone. He doesn't commit to anything. He's married to his bed. He loves his ease. Now, look, we all need different sleep, right? I need less sleep than my wife does, but we all need different sleep. That's how we designed. But there's sleep and then there's too long sleep. You see, the sluggard's more than anchored to his bed. He's hinged to it like a squeaky door. He just gruntingly rolls from side to side in response to what he's asked. I can just hear the wife now. Robert! Are you listening? The pastor's talking about you. So the, the sluggard won't start anything. Here's another characteristic. He won't finish anything either. The effort of just beginning has been too much for the sluggard. The impulse has died, he's fizzled. That's it. Too much. His meal even goes cold on him, says Scripture. He dips his hand in the bowl, but he's so lazy, he can't even bring his, house, his, mouth, his hand up to his mouth. I love it. It wears him out. Just see the picture. That's ironic humor in Scripture. And so what do you find as a result? All those half-done jobs lying around the house. Nothing's ever finished. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you, Bryce. So, he won't begin anything. He won't finish anything. Thirdly, he won't face anything either. And when I use the word he, by the way, ladies, I'm speaking in the generic he. So he won't face anything either. He, he comes to believe his own excuses. Proverbs 22.13 paints this picture of this sluggard's humorous excuse making and it's humorous and sad. Because when he says, there's a lion outside, I'll be killed in the public square. It's speaking about, you need to go and work. No, there's a lion outside, I might get killed. So what does that look like in New Zealand? We don't have lions. I'll take the New Zealand extreme animal here. There could be a, a rabid possum loose on Victoria Avenue. That means I can't go to work today, dear. Do you see the, do you see the ironic humor? It's ridiculous. And yet, the sluggard comes to believe his own excuses, ridiculous as they seem. See, for most people, the possibility of a rampaging rapid possum in Victoria ever so remote as to be laughable. But don't come to believe those poor excuses. He won't face up to his own laziness. You see, the, the lazy person rationalizes his laziness. Why? Scripture says, because he's wise in his own conceit, his own deludedness, than seven men who can give a proper reason. Here we have the contrast. The sluggard makes up excuses and believes those excuses and then he justifies himself in that. He thinks he's smarter not to work. doesn't matter how many reasonable arguments are brought against him. He persists in his conceit because in his own eyes he's a wise man. I'll bring the application just now, so the principles first. And then he also doesn't face up to the realities of work. He always opts for the soft choice. Scripture says he will not plough in the autumn because of the cold. It's too cold, I'm not going to work. And therefore, his character suffers as much as his home and his business. Another characteristic, so we have his... He won't begin anything, he won't finish anything, he won't face up to things, he won't face up to life. And as a result, fourthly, he's helpless in the face of his tangled, half-done affairs. Scripture says they are like a hedge of thorns to him. Instead of a beautiful road, which the wise person walks on because the Lord makes that level before his foot, the one who is a sluggard, or the characteristics of a sluggard, experiences life like a hedge of thorns. There are prickles all over the place. There's always trouble. Why? It's his own doing. And the sluggard is exasperatingly expensive to an employer. We know those people. Whenever there's a rugby game on, or whenever there's leave to be taken of any kind, that, that person's missing. And they know how to use the laws of the country to their own advantage. Proverbs 10.26 response to this it says now think about this if you've ever had a cup of vinegar what does it do to your teeth a vinig as vinegar to the teeth that's how a sluggard is you had a cup of vinegar anyway 
It's like your whole mouth withdraws. Yep. Well, try it today anyway when you get home. Um, and smoke to the eyes. You ever stood in a smoky fire? It burns your eyes. Your eyes start watering. You've got to get... Well, that's what a sluggard is to people around him. Irritating. And so sluggard is very high maintenance to him as an employee. And no boss wants an inefficient slug in his employee. Unfortunately, legislation doesn't allow him to get rid of him sometimes. Are you one of those to your employer? And then fifthly, a slug is not realistic about the consequences of his lifestyle. You see, the slugger doesn't bother to plant seeds in season, chapter 20, verse 4. And then, at the end of the season, during harvest, he goes out to look for a harvest. And there's nothing. Why? Because he hasn't planted the seeds. They're the consequences. I'm going out on a limb here. The Lord always gives me experiences in the week to illustrate what I'm doing and what I'm preaching on. This week I had, in winter, we open our accommodation place to people who just really need accommodation because it's quieter with tourists coming through and so we can do that. We want to be in the community to do that. And you've got to stick your nose at it and sometimes it gets burnt. And this week someone trashed one of my units. And unfortunately this person just took no ownership of it. You see, there's this attitude around of society owes me. I'm entitled to Someone else will fix my trouble. That's exactly what Scripture is speaking about here. See, a sluggard's appetite is never filled. Guess why we keep on having to raise benefit levels? Now, there's a good use of benefit and a bad use of benefit. Benefit is really good. I praise the Lord for the benefit in this country. Because it helps people, really, that need help, right? But there are some who have learned to manipulate the system and to use it to their own ends. And so like one young fellow who wanted accommodation, I said to him, so what do you do during the day? Oh no, I'm a professional couch potato. I said, I'm sorry, I don't have room for you. A bit hard-nosed, but that's the reality, my friend. But to someone who wants help, we help. The sluggard's appetite is never filled. But here's the opposite. The desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. You don't have to be rich to be fully satisfied. You can be poor as a church mouse and still be fully satisfied because your desires are right. That's what it's talking about. It's wrong desires, right desires. That's what the sluggard is all about. And so what's the summary of all this? A sluggard is a person who has the ability to work but refuses to work. A sluggard is someone who lacks the drive, the personal responsibility and the common sense to provide for their needs. They like to sleep and dislike work. They have a desire for the wrong things. The lazy person is locked in themselves, pursuing emptiness. They lack a positive theology of work. They don't understand work properly. And we're going to look shortly at that this morning. Well, work, workaholics have the same problem. Workaholics are also destructively locked in themselves, pursuing work as an ex- at the expense of everything else. It's just the opposite extreme. It's, again, wrong desire. 
And so when we properly understand work, that it's a gift and a blessing that leads to all sorts of positive outcomes, a harvest, provision, and helping others, then it's of benefit to us. And so there's hope for the sluggard. If you've got some of these characteristics this morning, and you've been feeling a little bit uncomfortable about them, fantastic. But there's hope for you and I. There's hope for me. We call to action. Get off our bed. Unscrew that hinge. And to work hard. To honor the Lord with our lives. And we need to constantly be reminding ourselves for whom we are working. Colossians 3.23 says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And so, even in times when money is not that easy to come by, if you're willing to work, you'll usually find some kind of work. And yes, it might not be your dream job, but it's work. Do it as unto the Lord. And whether it's permanent or temporary, it will help to fill those financial holes. However, it takes getting out of bed. It takes effort. It takes perseverance. And it takes plain hard work to find work. And when you've found the work, guess what? It takes getting out of bed. It takes effort. It takes perseverance and plain hard work to work. That's what the Lord calls us to. And then there's a warning for us, and that is found in 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10. And it says this, The one who is unwilling to work, what does Scripture say? Shall not eat. Now that sounds harsh to our socialist ears. And it should sound hard to my Christian ears. But that's the reality Scripture says. And I'm going to be touching on this more. So, just hold that thought for now. So, Scripture calls us to action. Let's get off that bed. Let's find the work. Let's do the work. It calls us to a new beginning. It calls us to a new beginning in my attitude to work. You see, work should not be a negative word. When you get up on a Monday morning, you think work. You should smile. It shouldn't make you feel sad. I'm sorry. I like Mondays my off day <laughs> but for the rest of you you see work shouldn't be a negative word it shouldn't have negative association work is God created and that's why we read from Genesis right in the beginning God was working way back in Genesis when he created the world yes it wasn't work as we know work he created the world bit by bit universe by universe he was creating. He was working. Work is a good thing. And then, when he created Adam, what did he do? He put Adam on the earth. And before Adam sinned, work was a pleasure. He was then naming the animals. I don't know what else he was doing in the garden. But it was beautiful. He enjoyed his work. Because God made it into a curse later. He was working for the Lord. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. Let's just quickly turn there. Genesis 2.15 The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, 
But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And then the Lord doesn't leave him alone there working in the garden. He turns it into paradise for him. He creates a woman with him there. And together they can work. And what a pleasure it must have been to wander through the gardens working. And then the fall came. Because Adam sinned, then work became hard. But that doesn't mean work is bad. It just means work became hard. Work is still good. And so, unfortunately, the work that you have at home still has to continue. You've still got to do the lawns. You've still got to do the, scrub the decks. You've still got to do that house painting. Yes, you've still got to clean the toilets. That's all part of God-sanctioned work. And if we shy away from those responsibilities, then we have the characteristics of the sluggard. That's what Scripture says. We have wrong desires, wrong attitudes to work. It also calls us to confession. You see, if we've, if we've been called out by, by parts of these things in Scripture, then those things have been highlighted in us through the Holy Spirit. And those are things we can bring to the Lord and confess them to Him. Being a sluggard is no different to any other sin. It's no different to being a thief. It's no different to being a murderer. Because sin is sin is sin before the Lord. No sin is greater than any other sin. Sin is sin before the Lord. He is holy. He can't take any sin before Him. And so you can bring this to Him as well. And God is willing and able to forgive you any sin you bring to Him as long as you come and confess before Him. Because here's the promise of 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to Him, if we confess our sins to Him, what will the Lord do? He is faithful. He is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. He doesn't say, first go and learn to be a hard worker, then come back and I'll forgive you. He says, bring that confession to me and if your heart is confessing before me, I will forgive you your sin and then I will get alongside you and help you. As we saw last week, every stride I will be there with you. So what do I do with this? I need to ask myself this morning, is there any of the sluggard in me? Is there any of the sluggard in my spiritual walk before the Lord? In my spiritual walk before the Lord, am I like a guy in a bed, just left to right, not paying much attention to how I live before the Lord? You can have a, be a sluggard in your spiritual life before the Lord. You can be a sluggard in your marriage before the Lord. You take your marriage for granted. Or do you work at it? You see, it's wide implication to us. And if you find that the sluggard is in you and any of these characteristics are there and you find yourself distracted by useless things, you find yourself frittering away your time, here's a wise saying from chapter 24, verse 32. A wise man will learn while there is time. A wise man knows that the sluggard started off as an ordinary man who started making too many excuses. Too many refusals, too many postponements. It was an imperceptible process. It happened real slowly and quietly. It was real pleasant to fall asleep, but it was deadly. And so scripture calls us through the book of Proverbs today and it says, Wake up, O sleeper, 
If you see these characteristics in you, bring them to the Lord. They will grow in you if you don't. What else do I do with... What about the sluggards out there? Come on, you've been waiting to hear. What do we do about them? What do you do to the sluggards that I see around me? I'm okay. Well, you see, as Christians in society in general, our response to the sluggards out there, if there's genuine need, is to what? Help them. Where to help? Where do we get that from? Scripture says, Luke chapter 3, verse 11, Whoever has two shirts is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. So if someone comes across your way and they genuinely are wanting to help themselves, but they're really struggling, you help them. I know I've got more than two shirts. Give them food. Help them along the way. Because that might just help them on their spiritual walk too. And they might be encouraged in life. And they might be able to go along again. And they might be able to get rid of those characteristics that seem to be on their lives. We need to help them. We need to give until it hurts. But what about the ones who don't want to work? What about my professional potato couch friend? What about him? Yes, I turned him away. What about the bludgers in our society? I hear that word bandied around quite a bit. What about the person who trashed my unit this week? How do I help? Do I help? You see, the reasoning is, the human in me says, I can't help them because if I help them, I'm just, learning, I'm just teaching them to kind of do what they think works. That's the human in me. But what does Jesus Christ in me say? He says to me, help them too. Hard as it is, help them too. I helped you when you were waving your fist in my face. I found you when you were running away from me. I sought you when you would have nothing to do with me. I loved you. I died for you even after you nailed me to that cross. Love them. Even when you know you'll get nothing in return. And this was the hardest for me to swallow this week. Love in return. Love selflessly. Love. Convicting their hearts is not my job. That's the Lord's work. And then lastly, and here's the one, I called it the sluggard, the sluggard buster. Well, there's that verse from Colossians. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord, not for human masters. So if the Lord's given you a job to do, then work at it as to the Lord. Yes, you're employed by an employer, but the Lord is your first employer. Work for the Lord first. And even if you are helping those who don't seem to want to help themselves, yes, even do that as unto the Lord. Ask the Lord to forgive you your thoughts, which are the opposite to what you really want to do. Ask the Lord to forgive you. You see, what we need to do is, and that's what the sluggard teaches us in the book of Proverbs, our work is to be our worship. Work is worship. Hashtag work at worship. For those of you who didn't understand what I was saying before. Work as worship. And not just that, life as worship. 
we are to bring our whole lives, whether it's work or life or spiritual life or marriage or relationship with employees or relationship with those who are just a pain. Work is worship. Life is worship to the Lord. And if we do that, then these characteristics of the sluggard will get less and less in us. And God will make us to look more like His Son. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank You for the teaching of the sluggard in Your Word. And even though at first it seems funny, it's sad when we see some of those characteristics in our own lives. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us in wrong attitudes towards those who are struggling with life and even those who seem like they don't want to be helped in life. Forgive us, Lord, for having those thoughts which are not like the thoughts you have. You love with no boundaries. Lord, help us to also love in the same way. Help us to examine our own lives and allow your Holy Spirit to change us so that in those attitudes that need to be changed, we will be changed. And so that we would do everything we do for your glory and for your sake. And Lord, if we're employed, may we be good employers, employees. May we be a pleasure to those who employ us. May they know that they are working with believers, people who have their priorities set by someone who is living inside them called Jesus Christ. May even our employers know that we love Jesus through the way we work and our positive attitudes to what they put before us. Help us to be salt and light in this world until you reappear, we ask. Amen.